0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadam. Well, today is officially day number one of new computer. So um, she's already running quite a bit quieter. And since the furnace isn't going, it's a good start to the day. So, so far, so good. And um, again, I just, I can't thank you all enough. I promise I was not asking for anything. I just was complaining because that's what I do. I was already in the process of saving money, but obviously the timing was not great because um, I need something now. (laughs) But my plan was, hey, in about maybe 10, 11, 12 months, I'll have the money to be able to buy myself a computer that doesn't just shut itself off and whatnot. And lo and behold, you all did it in about a week. So again, thank you all so much for that. I figure the best way to probably repay you is to make sure that there is a podcast every day. And to uh, pump out all kinds of uh, whatever goodies I can come up with. So that will be the plan. I do want to mention something else. I've been blathering on on social media, but it, it's sometimes it's hard to articulate, up, oh, there's the furnace. What exactly I'm talking about, especially on Twitter with so few characters? This is in regard to the NFL draft. So if you're not interested, then well, you're you're just not gonna be interested. But I've had an NFL Draft YouTube channel for a while, and I've had an NFL Draft Facebook group for quite a while. And one of the things that we've done in that group over the last couple years is we have um, done group mock drafts, and it is always horrible. Trying to get everybody organized enough and trying to coordinate everything, I mean, it just took hours and hours and hours. It was a nightmare. I mean, I had somebody that was helping me through that process. Him and I would try to sort through it and get people to respond, and it just, it was a nightmare. So I, I mean, I I literally on Twitter would reach out to the Draft Network and a bunch of other um, places that have these draft simulators and say, you know what feature you need more than all this other nonsense? Multiplayer. In other words, you have a, every single simulator is simply you pick, either you can draft for your team, multiple teams, or all the teams, and, and do your own little mock drafts. That's nice, but what would actually be fun is if you could get 32 people to get together. Everybody picks a team, and we all do a mock, and you can trade and everything. How much fun would that be? And nobody would do it, or, or you know, some people would hint that they're working on it, but it's a lot of work, whatever. Well, yesterday, the day in which I'm supposed to get my computer, so the timing could not have been any better, I have somebody reach out at like 5 o'clock in the morning, like, hey, uh, I just joined your group. My mock draft group, he's like, I got this site where you can, you know, you and a group of people can do mocks together. Just wondering if I could post about it in the group. And I was like, hold on. <laughs> just flip and pause a second here because I'm, I'm just on my way to work. Um, yeah, I mean, you can post it, but we, we just, you're telling me what? Like, the dude just dropped the best news I could have got in the entire day. Other than like, oh, we reviewed the tape and the Packers actually won that game. Sorry, Tampa. This would be the second best bit of news. So it's a thing. I can actually do it now. I've been running some tests with it. It is a premium feature, but for those of you that are that are diehards that are running mocks constantly, daily, weekly, whatever. In my opinion, it's kind of a no-brainer because this is this is beyond fun. It's also going to be much more realistic. With every single one of these mock draft simulators, you look at it and go, well, this is stupid. And that's not to say your friends that you bring on board aren't going to also be stupid, but it's going to be probably a little bit more realistic, especially if people are paying for it, which actually makes it better. It's kind of like fantasy football. You feel like it's better if you don't have to pay, but it actually sucks more because nobody cares and nobody pays attention. Nobody tries and people just do ridiculous things. If somebody's going to pay money to join a group and draft a long snapper at pick three? That's, I mean, all right. I guess that's kind of an issue, but anyways, the point is, I'm, I mean, I was going to do it yesterday, but that was ridiculous. I got home, I got this computer set up, and there's no time ever. That's how I get, right? I get excited about something. It's like, let's do it, like, this second. How about, how about right this second? How about I quit my job and we just do this right now? But moving forward, I want this to be a big part of what I do. Um, I just started doing mock drafts. I've been doing mock draft videos on my YouTube channel for a long time. I would like this to be a feature. It's obviously going to be much easier to be a feature when, you know, tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people, however many people know about the site, signed up for the site, are a part of the site, as opposed to now where it's like he's just getting the word out and seven people use it. So I'm encouraging you um, to go ahead and use it. The name of the site is Walk the Mock. And I had a real serious problem because in my brain it said Walt the Mock. And I was like, does this have to do with Walter football? What is this? What the heck does that even mean, Walt the Mock? I was like, I can't find the site anywhere. I think he's lying to me. It's WALK, W-A-L-K, the Mock. And the other benefit, not only is it extremely cheap, I think it's 5 bucks a month or $30 for the whole year, but you can get February for free if you sign up before, I think, like the 14th or something. So there's no reason to not get in and just play with it. It's just sign up. The code is FreeFeb. Get in there and uh, do that thing, do that voodoo that you do, um, because when I start doing live mock drafts, I want to make it be a live mock draft with human beings and not robots. I just I don't I don't know. I'm I'm very excited about it, and it's cool the way they have it set up. It's you know there's like a countdown clock and all the big dramatic music and text that says that the Jacksonville Jaguars select dot dot dot, and then bang there's the the player again. There's trades and everything else. So I I just it's going to be very cool just the sooner we can make it cool because everybody realizes it's a fun thing to do and signs up the better and this is not i'm not getting any kind of kickback believe me i tried i was like dude i'm gonna be throwing so many people at you help me out here man he said the best he could do was took me up for free and he gave me an additional uh free giveaway and i already gave that away to somebody that supports me on youtube so that's already done. I may actually do an additional giveaway because, again, it's not that expensive. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for me to do as a giveaway. But we'll we'll, we'll get there when we get there, all right? Just in the meantime, go sign up and let's have fun. In fact, I'm going to be doing it like multiple times today. The cool thing is you can actually do it on your phone. And because it kind of takes a while, the, the minimum that you can set is one minute per turn, you can set up text alerts. So you don't have to sit there and watch it. It'll text you when it's like two picks away from your turn and you can go back in. So you can just join a mock, set up a text alert, and be like, all right, hit me up when the Packers are about to pick. I don't know, I'm just, it's pretty cool. So again, walkthemock.com. Check it out. Anyways, what are we talking about today? Let's pull up the old notesy notes. Oh yeah, Jim Leonard. Um, I want to talk a lot about Jim Leonard because everybody wants to talk about Jim Leonard, and I want to talk about Jim Leonard, and it just kind of works out that uh, that's a thing. Now, I, I fully acknowledge that a lot of this is silly, right? It just, everybody wants him. I mean, it's it's sort of the perfect combination of everything. Everybody loves Wisconsin guys. Everybody loves Badgers. Everybody loves young coaches. And everybody kind of likes college coaches. Because it always feels like they're extra smart, you know? They're on the cutting edge. They know stuff the NFL guys don't know. So you just it's just the perfect meld of everything every fan wants. But, of course, what... Matt LaFleur and them are looking for is different than the things that I just laid out. So it's part of this is a little bit silly, but at the same time, it doesn't seem like a terrible option. I want to run through a couple things that I learned about Mr. Jim Leonard, which based on the spelling of his name, I may or may not stop start calling him Lionheart. I know it's actually like Leon Hard, but that's, that's very not something that I want to call him. But it's close to Lionheart. So I might call him that. Let me know what you think. Although I don't super care what you think because I do what I want. So here is the first thing that I learned um, while looking into him, especially in his playing career, because the the problem some people have about him being a college coach is well, he's a you know he's a college guy, and he knows how to defend against college offenses. What does he know about NFL offenses? Well, the benefit is, not only did he play against NFL offenses, he played for a bunch of defensive coordinators who taught him NFL scheme. So actually, it's somewhat impressive for him to go to the college ranks being an NFL guy. Everything he knows is NFL-style defenses. And he had to sort of reinvent himself when he went to Wisconsin to learn about what offenses are doing and, uh, you know, take what he learned and adapt it to the college level, so it's it's kind of like we're reverse engineering it. Like, well, he's a college guy; he has to learn how to be an NFL guy. Well, no, he's an NFL guy that had to learn how to be a college guy, and then he has to come back to the NFL. Worst case scenario, he just switches back to the NFL guy and doesn't bring any college stuff with him. But here's what I found out—it's kind of crazy. First of all, his first ever defensive coordinator when he played for the Buffalo Bills in 2005—you know who that was? It was Jerry Flippin Gray. Jerry Gray. So if he were to be our defensive coordinator, you would have Jerry Gray, who was his defensive coordinator. He is now Jerry Gray's defensive coordinator. 15 years later, 16 years later, he, the, the guy that Jerry Gray coached as a defensive coordinator became his defensive coordinator. Anyways, he played with Buffalo for a while. In 2008, he ended up signing with the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator at that time in 2008 was Rex Ryan. Here is what I learned. Rex Ryan, that style of defense, loved, 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 loved Jim Leonard. Whatever it was about Jim Leonard, I don't know, but they absolutely loved him as a football player and needed him for their scheme. How do I know that? The very next year in 2009, Rex Ryan got his head coaching job for the Jets. Who did he bring along? Jim Leonard. I don't exactly know the specifics. I didn't care enough whether he ended up getting cut, whether his contract ran out, or whether it was a trade. I don't know. Bottom line, he in some capacity became available, and Rex Ryan snagged him to play for the Jets. Who was the Jets' defensive coordinator under Rex Ryan? It was Mike Pettin. So Mike Pettin was his defensive coordinator. Rex Ryan was his head coach after playing under Jerry Gray. In 2013, so we're talking about four years later, something to that effect, when Mike Pettin moved on to Buffalo... Which my understanding of this situation is Rex Ryan knew that the whole crew was about to get fired. So he turned to Mike Patton and some of the other guys and said, get out of here. This thing is falling apart fast. Get out. So he left. What did Mike Patton do in 2013? He brought in Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard went to Buffalo in 2013. Mike Patton was in Buffalo for a while, gets a head coaching job in Cleveland. What do you think he did? You guessed it. He brought in Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard followed the Rex Ryan, Mike Pettin tree everywhere they went. Now, the real question is, is that good news or bad news for Jim Leonard? Because on one hand, everything that he can say in terms of his resume, in terms of why he's not just a college guy, why he's an NFL guy, is also going to make him look like Mike Pettin, the guy we just fired. So his job is going to have to be to convey that he is sort of a Mike Pettin, Rex Ryan disciple, but also entirely different. And really, it it I don't think there's anything about a Rex Ryan style defense that implies passivity. I think you can have that style of defense and be incredibly aggressive. In fact, there's I don't think there's anything about the 2013 Buffalo Bills or the 2009 through 2013. Uh, Rex Ryan Jets that people would say is sort of a passive bend Don't Break defense. These were some of the most stingy, horrible, awful defenses you, you've ever faced. I mean, technically Mike Pettin had just left Buffalo at that time, but it was in 20 it was the 2014 Buffalo Bills that year that the Packers uh, were 12 and four, and one of their losses was against Buffalo. They, I mean, they very rarely lost. They had won nine of their last 10 in a row. They come up against Buffalo, which was not a very good team. And they ended up winning 21-13, um, to 13. this dominant, dominant offense. And in 2014, again, the Packers had the number one offense in football, not against Buffalo, again, just stingy. Again, that was technically Jim Schwartz, but it was just the very next year. Interestingly enough, it was also Nathaniel Hackett was the offensive coordinator. It's amazing how these guys just they just circulate. <laughs> it's just the same guys recycling over and over again. Nathaniel Hackett was the offensive coordinator of the 9 and 7 Buffalo Bills. And again, would you think that that guy would get jobs? No, he went everywhere he went, the offense was garbage. Then he comes here and it's great and it's like, "Well, you got to give this guy a head coaching job." Like, "If you want, don't ask me why this turned into a dunking on Nathaniel Hackett thing, but it's just again, it's just weird because reputations just shift so quickly. Nobody here was happy that Nathaniel Hackett came along. And now everyone's like, "Well, he deserves a ton of credit for what he's done for this offense." Okay, all right, that's fine. I don't. Know. Again, the coaching thing is so weird to me. It's not the players, it's the coaches, but it's also not the coaches, it's the players. There has to be this weird blend of just the right mix. There is a right coach out there for this team, and that coach isn't the same coach as somebody else, and I don't exactly know how to explain that. There's a right attitude and a right scheme for this locker room, and the Packers have to find that. I'm sure there are some universal truths out there in terms of, good coaches versus bad coaches, but um, a lot of it is, it just has to be individualistic. I mean, it's just, it's down to each individual locker room, it, the, the individual players. It's just, it's such a weird thing. That's why it's so hard to even comment on this. Like, who do you think we should hire? I don't know. I have no idea. It's kind of like food and toppings, right? Like, well, what's the right topping? For what? Well, the I mean, the best topping. Just tell me what topping we should get. I, I, I literally, uh, ketchup, I don't know. Why would you put ketchup on cake? That was terrible. Well, I didn't, because you I didn't know. I don't know. It was good on that other thing. Well, it's because the other team is fries and we're cake. You don't put ketchup on cake. You should have picked frosting, stupid. But then you, you got a fan base that, this is, this is, you think it's stupid. This is a great analogy. You'll watch a team hire ketchup and get mad because that team, fries did really, really well with ketchup. See, I knew we should have hired ketchup. You bunch of stupid people, I said ketchup. Well, I hate to tell you, it wouldn't have been very good on our cake. So the problem is, I don't know what topping is going to be good for our food. I don't know what the combination is. The idea here... Is that Brian Gudikon and Matt Lafleur understand what kind of food they have and what kind of topping they need, and they just have to go out, do some interviews, and find out. You know, it's it's sort of like you can't see what kind of topping it is. Like, is this ranch? Is it uh, salt? I, you know, that you have to sit down and do the interviews and have them describe it. Well, I'm a liquid. All right, I'm a liquid. That's pretty good. Are you sweet or savory? Savory. Okay, savory, interesting. Savory. So, savory liquid. How would you describe the color? Very red. Oh, red. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, uh, I don't think this is going to work out. This is not really describing a cake topping. So, thank you for your time. Now, that doesn't mean he can't get a job somewhere else and be successful. It means it's not a good fit for our team. And again, the reason I like the analogy is because we've seen it. We've seen guys be terrible in a million different instances and still get jobs. And then they get a job somewhere. And it's like, why did you hire that person that's stupid? And they're successful. Like, well, okay. I don't know, man. I, I just, I don't, that doesn't make any sense to me. Very rarely is somebody just successful everywhere they go. The only person that I know of that um, has been successful everywhere they go is Jack Del Rio. <laughs> He's one of the guys that I looked at. Um, I think there might have been some others. Uh, there was somebody in Pittsburgh that I mentioned we should hire as our head coach because he just, everywhere he goes, things get very, very good. And um, everybody got mad because they didn't, you know, I don't know, they didn't like the person for some reason. But that's all I have to go on. Like, I don't know, man. They're a topping that seems to go on everything. I don't know what kind of a topping goes on literally everything because you throw cake in the mix and it's like, eh, I don't know about that anymore. Otherwise, you'd say like salt. I mean, it's good on most stuff. You don't want things to be too salty, but nobody's going to be like, dude, did, did you put salt on this? Why? You talking about the steak? Yeah, don't, don't, dude, don't put salt on it. Only salt fries. Bacon would be weird. That's unnecessary. But I don't know that you'd be mad about it, as long as it's not too much. It'd just be kind of stupid and weird. But that's, that also kind of works with the analogy, too, where sometimes you just get a guy that's like, you know, they're not really helping, but they're not really hurting it. I kind of feel like that's what Mike Pettin was. Mike Pettin was salt on our bacon. Like, he kind of made it a little bit worse, but it's kind of like, it's just It's just a little too much salt. But otherwise, this is good bacon. Well, Mike Patton is that salt. I mean, you know, it's still good. I mean, it's delicious. It's bacon. It's like, well, I, yeah, I know. But we shouldn't, you know, we don't need salt for our bacon. That That's a completely unnecessary ingredient. So we got to go out and interview what? Like brown sugar or something? If we can find brown sugar, <laughs> which, depending on who we hire might actually be a decent nickname. I, you know, it's not going to be Jim Leonard. I'm not going to call Jim Leonard Brown Sugar, although it would be a funny, ironic nickname. And nobody but the people listening to this podcast would understand it, so it would be hilarious. Because that's my style of humor, by the way. Saying things and everyone goes, what are you What are you talking about? That's so random. Yes, it is. And that's why it's funny. I would love to meet Jim Leonard one day and just be like, what up, Brown Sugar? <laughs> oh, this is why, even if nobody was listening, I'd still do a podcast. I wouldn't even listen back to it. I would just record it and delete it and then go to work. Or just save it in a file. I just need to start my day like this. Jim Leonard. I've come up with two nicknames for Jim Leonard today, so you're welcome. Technically three if you have any interest in Leon Hard. But, um, again, I might scratch that from the list. So, anyways, again... Um, it's, it's I mean, if there was just an issue with the Rex Ryan scheme in general, in other words, we just need to get away from that entirely, which I think there's so much depth to it that what we saw with Mike Pettin was just, I mean, there's so many different... It's kind of like like I've talked about with the West Coast offense. Technically, Mike, Mc, uh, Mike McCarthy is his name, and Matt LaFleur both run a West Coast offense. I don't know how Mike McCarthy was West Coast, but somehow that's what he was. Very, very different offenses. Right, and so the Rex Ryan defense obviously evolved. Rex Ryan did it a little bit differently than Mike Pettin. Mike Pettin did it differently than Mike Pettin, depending on where he was. I guarantee you the, the Buffalo Bills and the Green Bay Packers were very different Mike Pettin defenses. A ton of similarities. But again, I, I, I it doesn't provide a lot of answers other than if 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 Jim Leonard comes in for an interview and sounds like Mike Pettin, it ain't going to work. If Jim Leonard comes in and says, I am a more aggressive, attacking, stingy version of Mike Pettin, that might be the best case scenario. Um, The reason being, they hired Mike Pettin for a reason. They like that style of defense. They didn't like the passivity. They wanted to, they need to be more aggressive. The benefit of sticking with a similar scheme, not the same, but a similar scheme, in other words, guys stand in similar positions, similar concepts is that the guys kind of already understand the terminology and all that kind of stuff, so there's familiarity, so there's not a whole, we need to completely tear this down and build from the ground up. So that can be a benefit, but it's a tough balancing act. You don't want to fire Mike Pettin and then bring in a guy that is Mike Pettin but doesn't have as good of an understanding as Mike Pettin. Obviously, Pettin and Rex Ryan understand that defense better than anybody. What's he going to do, call up Mike Pettin and be like, hey, what do we do in this situation, man? I need your help. Does he ask Jerry Gray, who was his defensive coordinator? (laughs) Like, hey, man, remember back in the day when we did that? Why do we do this? So, again, they're not going to interview him if they're looking at him going, ew, that's Mike Pettin, we're out of here. But I do think that's going to be his challenge. And and I think he's going to pass that test because if you look at the Wisconsin defense, it's not passive. In fact, one of the exciting revelations as we were talking about Jim Leonard in the uh, group Discord, um, Coach Hahn piped in and mentioned that he had actually um, got to meet in some capacity um Jim Leonard I mean Jim Leonard obviously is a a bigwig out here in Madison Wisconsin which is where Coach Hahn is in this area he is a high school coach so there's some crossover acquaintance whatever so they, they had had some kind of a uh I don't know if it was a, a an online virtual class and Jim Leonard had done some little bit of teaching and uh, Coach Hahn was obviously blown away which you know doesn't mean a ton to me because I'm sure it could have been any defensive coordinator from any team and um you know, coach would have been blown away, and I, I, me sitting there, I would have just been. like, I don't know what's going on right now. This is stupid. But the the interesting part about it is that the way he described the defense was actually kind of similar to Todd Bowles. And I went back and watched, and I posted it on Twitter. If, if you want to watch a good version of the Badgers defense, and and I did cheat a little bit. Um, I used PFF and found when they were. Why does it say it's my birthday? <laughs> Twitter is saying it's my birthday. It's definitely not my birthday. Oh, it's my birthday from when I joined Twitter. Is that what you're talking about? That's stupid. Who cares? Why would, I, why would anybody celebrate that? I, legit, I thought the balloon thing was your birthday. Is that not what it is? It's when you joined Twitter. That's so stupid. I'm sorry. But the 2008 Pinstripe Bowl is when PFF gave their defense the highest grade that they've got in the Jim Leonard era. I had initially posted the 2017 game against Miami and um, I started watching it and I'm like, dude, the Badgers defense is kind of getting run over here a little bit. This doesn't seem, doesn't seem great. And it turns out that they had played them two years in a row and, uh, you know, but there was one play in particular that I saw that was interesting because it just reminds me a lot of the, the little, little things that Coach Hahn has been teaching. All right. A lot of it having to do with just, you know, for example, overloading one side. I, there was one play in particular, and I I, I didn't timestamp it or anything, but it's in this game. It's not too far. I mean, it's probably still in the first quarter, maybe second quarter. But Miami is probably around their own 20-yard line, just to give you some perspective on what was going on. I don't think they had gotten a first down yet. But there was one play in particular where they had a linebacker come on a blitz, and they had the two guys on the left side of the defensive line. What they did was the defensive end, the the guy all the way on the left, He went real hard around the outside to pull the right tackle as far away as he possibly could. Then the left interior defensive end, or defensive tackle, I guess. I don't really know how many guys were down there, but whatever. You know what I'm saying. He he didn't really stunt because he didn't go around anybody, but he went hard to the inside of the right guard. So this kind of pulled the two guys away right the right tackle is going hard to his right the the left the right guard is going hard to his left because he's trying to stop this guy from getting to the inside between him and the center the center was occupied by somebody else who ended up dropping And then you had a linebacker who came right in between the tackle and guard who were running away from each other. So you had this really weird thing where you had three guys attacking two offensive linemen and you had three offensive linemen doing basically nothing. You had the center, I think, blocking one other guy. You had two guys on the left side, the tackle and guard ready to block somebody who dropped in coverage. So you had two offensive linemen standing there doing nothing, a center who was blocking somebody a guard who was trying to stop somebody from getting to his inside shoulder, and he actually lost that battle. So the guy who was really just trying to create a gap actually got through by going around the guard, and there was a gap that you could have drove a truck through that a linebacker ran right through and got to the quarterback. So again, it's not just about talent. It's about creating opportunities to where your guys just can't lose. That linebacker is not going to not get to the quarterback. He, I mean, again, he could have laid on the ground and done barrel rolls through that, that hole and not touched anybody there was such a huge gap there i mean that's that's just completely toying with an offensive line and that's not to say they don't have good football players but at the same time when was the last time you saw a badgers defensive lineman do really well in 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 the pros out, i mean it what tj watt right i mean there's every year there's linebackers out of wisconsin going to the pros and they play i mean the, i know the eagles have one we had drafted one a while ago i think it was the same year as tj watt and he was gone I don't even know if he made it to the first year. I forget his name, but I think that's what's intriguing about him. And uh, Coach Hawn had actually kind of talked about that in terms of why he thinks college coaches are actually, I don't know if smarter is the right word, but they have to be more creative than NFL head coaches do. And there's there's a lot of, in, in the pros, just really good players having to be better than the guy in front of them, right? Just beat the guy in front of you. And that's kind of what we saw a lot of with Petton. There really wasn't a lot of creativity. It was just beat the guy in front of you. And, and if they did, then the Packers did well. And if they didn't, then they didn't. I mean, every great play that you can think of was just somebody getting beat. In fact, the, the there was a severe lack of, of creativity when you think about the edge rushers, even though it worked the only move that they had that worked was take that tackle and push him right back into the quarterback because you're all bigger and stronger than everybody else. And, I mean, again, it worked, but, I mean, that's all it really was. We're asking these guys to physically dominate offensive linemen. And even when we brought extra guys, it was so pathetic. You would have a safety blitz and all he would do is run into a pile of guys because there's no real thought process in terms of how do we make sure that there's an open lane for him to get through. There never was. Occasionally, you'd have somebody blitz from the outside and there would be an open lane, obviously, because he's just, you know, he's running where there's nobody. But if you have a safety trying to run through. the there, there needs to be a lane. How do you create a lane there? I don't know. You just have everybody pushing offensive linemen, and then you have safeties coming down, linebackers coming down. You're bringing extra guys. You might bring two extra guys, and neither of them can get home because there's nowhere for them to go. There's just a pile of bodies that they're trying to sift their way through. That's the absolute worst thing you can do. It's better to just keep all those guys in coverage if you're not going to find a lane for them to get through. So I know that's going to be a controversial take from him, and in my Question to coach about that was well if college coaches are better than NFL coaches or smarter or what whatever the terminology was why is it that number 1 we don't see more college guys getting hired and number 2 the college guys don't succeed as much his answer was usually when there's a job open in the NFL and I'm reading this verbatim because I don't want to get his words wrong is because there's tough personnel issues as well there's very few college coordinators that would fail if you have them if you gave them the legion of boom in other words, what, what college coaches are bringing is creativity, right? How to utilize the pieces. They're, they're really good at chess. The problem is when teams fail a lot of the time, there's so many other issues going on. There's a toxic locker room, right? How many times have I have I described the issue of when they go out and find a new defensive coordinator or head coach or whatever, they got to bring in somebody who's much more strict because the, the room has gotten too lax. And then after a while, they, they lose the locker room because they're too strict. And then you get a guy that's like the, everybody's best friend. And there's this big game where we got to figure out how to make sure that the players are happy and all this stuff. But the point that he's making, that it seems that he's making, is if all that stuff is fine... And you just need a tactical expert. I have great pieces and the locker room is fine and the coaching staff is great and everybody here is great. We just need a tactical mind. You come in and you tell us how to utilize these pieces in brilliant ways, in ways that we've never thought of, in ways we've never seen. College coaches are very good at that. And it makes sense because we all know that's where innovation is is bread. That's where it comes from, the college ranks. And the NFL kind of will borrow from that occasionally. They might try it. It fails. They're like, nah, we're not ready for that yet. Eventually, it'll seep its way in. But but the college ranks is where you have to be creative. It's where you have to innovate if you want to survive. So, you know, I don't know. I don't want to be too overly excited about that that idea and that concept because I'm sure there's there's a lot more to it than that and on some level you have to be a manager you have to be a a leader you know how you have to know how to talk to grown men but again i think his experience being in a locker room being a former player will fill that void you know what i mean he's not a guy that just came up as a coach he's always been a coach and you know maybe he played some college ball or whatever this is a guy that knows how to be around grown men playing football people that make good money i mean heck this guy's got his own money <laughs> He wasn't exactly banking tens of millions, but uh, he was pulling in hundreds of thousands of dollars per year, you know, a cool $900,000 for the Browns and whatnot, you know, no big deal. He's a player. And, and listen, if, if, if Rex Ryan and, and Mike Pettin and those defenses are looking at Jim Leonard and saying, that guy, we need that guy. He's not soft. <laughs> These guys don't don't drag around a guy that's that's soft. He might not have been a premier player, but he's got an attitude to him that that they're looking at and saying we want that guy, especially at 5'8", 188. So yeah, I'd, I'd I'd be excited about it. I mean, I, again, the the biggest thing outside of of just a an energy and a and a mentality, but I think the players can can generate that. I think they they need a a better tactician, a guy that's going to put them in positions where they can't fail. Because again, it, it's if you took what Todd Bowles, for example, is doing for that defense and creating those opportunities, and you add in the the athleticism of a, of a guy like Rashawn Gary, or you think about a guy like Darnell Savage, if you bring him on a blitz and you scheme it so that there's just an open alley, he's going to be there in about a half a second. So the point is, you take the athleticism, you take the the high-end abilities of these guys, and yeah, there's winning ability as well, but you take just that, what 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 raw ability the defense has, but then you give them opportunities on top of it, that's when you get a special defense. I think we had players. They they just they were out there, kind of just playing backyard football. Like here's where I want you to stand. Here's generally generally your assignment. And your job is to go win. And again, when they won, on their own on an island, great. And really, if you think about it, that's exactly what Mike Pettin's defense was. The whole bend don't break break philosophy is if you have to go the length of the field, eventually my defense is going to stop you. It's going to take a while. But eventually, they're going to make a play. Somebody's going to beat the guy and get a sack. Somebody's going to get a pass breakup or a pick or something. Somebody's going to do something. But again, you don't even hardly need a, a, a warm body to be defensive coordinator to call that stuff. And I know there's more to it than that, and I'm being overly harsh. But generally, that's that's kind of the thing, especially when even on, on third and shorts, you're kind of just cashing it in. Like, I ah, just give it to him. So... I don't know, I, I, I tend to think it probably won't be Jim Leonard any time we get excited about guys like this and we think this is the perfect thing, and then it just usually doesn't end up happening. And they'll hire somebody that after we get all this excitement and everything, it'll be a guy that I, I can't sit here and say what I like about him. And then it'll probably turn out pretty well. And, um, you know, then, okay, well, then then, then then that was a waste of time. <laughs> I don't, but this is what you do in the off season. And if it is Jim Leonard, then we all just get super excited about it. And hopefully... Um, Hopefully I can find a way to meet up with Jim before he heads out to Green Bay. Find out where he lives and sit outside of his house in a lawn chair in the snow or something. Hey, Jim, I was just walking through the neighborhood, dude. So weird to see you here. Sometimes I take a break and sit in a chair for hours because I get tired when I walk. But I was just walking through the neighborhood. It's so funny seeing you here, dude. What's going on, bro? Craziest thing. I got a podcast. You want to you talk about it? Or? Then obviously him and I become great friends. Hang out all the time, me and me and him and the players. And They win a Super Bowl, they give me a ring, <laughs> you know, because, you know. Or maybe none of that happens. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Probably will, though. Anyways, why don't we take a break and come back and talk about a different thing. Again, walk the mock. Go get signed up. Reach out. Tell me, hey, I signed up. You don't have to do that step, but it would be cool to kind of get an idea that somebody's actually doing this so that the next time I do a test, it's not going to be the same two guys every time. I mean, I want those same two guys. I just want it to be more than two. Um, Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support the podcast, that'd be cool. Otherwise, let's just take a break. All right, so kind of short on time, but uh, we got about 15 minutes here. Got a couple questions I want to run through. This is from Charles it says, uh, Big slip. I've had this question brewing. Long story short, I think Aaron could use another receiver that is talented, but will tell Aaron, quote, that throw sucked or you sucked today. I don't think we need talent. I think Aaron could use a guy on the field to keep 12 accountable that's not afraid to tell him off. The best person on the field to keep you accountable is another great player because coaches don't play. What do you think of bringing in a personality? Sounds dangerous, man. I I mean, I I get it. And Aaron definitely likes leaders on the team, guys like Mercedes Lewis. I just don't know how well he would take to... I mean, he's such a volatile guy. And I don't mean volatile like he's going to start flipping tables or whatever else, but we know how... Fragile things can get when when things don't go well. He goes into like meltdown mode. Now I I generally don't like how there nobody's talking. You know that's that should be Aaron Rodgers' job. You know to be similar to what uh, Russell Wilson does about like come on let's go we're fine we're fine let's do this. He kind of retreats into himself and he's talked about that. He's not a rah rah guy. He's not that kind of a leader. It's sort of just I lead by example. I shut up and do my job. I expect you to shut up and do your job. So I tend to think with Aaron's personality, if somebody comes in, and obviously this is a a veteran free agent, not a rookie. If a rookie comes in and starts running in his mouth, he's going to get smacked. But I just don't think that would go very well, especially when you have a a, a culture. And I, I, I agree that it probably should be different, but it's not. And Aaron kind of dictates what that culture is. And if somebody comes in that's new to the locker room, and Devontae is a certain way, and all the guys are kind of a certain way, and Rodgers is a certain way, and, and some new guy comes in, even if he's a veteran, but a new guy comes in and, and starts getting in Rogers' face, even, you know, not obviously aggressively, but kind of comes back to the, the huddle like, dude, you need to step it up. I think Rogers is going to look him dead in the face and say, you need to shut your mouth. That's what I tend to think. Maybe, I mean, maybe Rogers would be like, yeah, you're right, man. Thanks for that pep talk. But I just, I tend to think it's going to have more of a negative reaction than anything else. Rogers is going to see them as a whiny, complainy diva wide receiver. And he's going to say, I'm not tolerating this. I don't want him here. He's going to talk to guys like Devontae and, and the other coaches and say, get him in line because I'm not going to deal with him popping off at the mouth, whining every single play that things don't go well. I guess that would just be my biggest concern. But maybe. Again, I know I know he likes leaders, guys like Mercedes Lewis. But even Mercedes, I don't think he's going up to Rodgers and saying, you're not doing well enough. That might be happening, but I, I've, I don't think I've ever heard a single story where somebody went up to Rodgers and was like, dude, you are garbage today uh switching gears this is a question from zach he says i'd love to get your take on rogers legacy i said to myself before the tampa game that it would be huge legacy game because he finally has everything he needs home field advantage top 10 defense top offense obviously he's an all-time great but where does he rank among the top quarterbacks of all time um i'll i'll leave out the last part because i'm not playing that game I, i i don't know Again, the the biggest reason those debates, and I know that's not the crux of your question, but I'm going to go on a tangent about the, the ranking of all time and all that stuff. The reason it's stupid is because nobody wants to bring a criteria. Nobody even mentions the criteria. If you just mention your criteria, then there's probably not even going to be a fight. But nobody wants to mention their criteria because they don't want it to be subjective. They want it to be objective. No, no, no. It's not just my opinion. It's not just from this one perspective. It's just he's the greatest ever. That's my criteria. No, it isn't. Tom Brady's the greatest ever because he has the most rings, and I think that's what makes him the greatest ever. Okay, so most accomplished of all time is Tom Brady, and you think that's the most important thing, so if you had to pick a greatest ever, you would pick Tom Brady. That's fine. The question is, is that the best criteria? right? If you're talking about talent, and that's usually the debate between Brady and Rodgers. Rodgers is a more talented athlete. Mahomes is a more talented athlete. These are talented athletes what they're able to do with their arms and their legs and their whole body in combination is incredible and tom brady has never been that guy that doesn't make him bad it's just a different question so it's same with uh, the this is my problem with like mvp and the pro bowl and all this stuff uh hall of fame like what what is the criteria well there is no criteria we just get together and you know with our big brains and say well who should be in this spot And then we just think about big names and think about different things that they've done. Maybe glance at stats, but of course we don't want to be simplistic and just look at stats. That's what the plebes do. We use our big brains. Okay, dummy, why don't you have a a criteria and make a computer do it? Because it would be a lot smarter than you idiots and your big brains. Anyways, though, as far as his legacy, I do think it's important he wins another one. Um, It doesn't really change much because, again, if you just look at the criteria, what actually changes? what he's done, everything that he's done, nothing gets diminished. The seasons that he's had, the talent that he has, all of that just is what it is, and that it doesn't get changed based on whether or not he wins Super Bowls, because winning is a team thing. Individual accomplishments are individual accomplishments, and you learn what an individual is by watching them do things on a play-to-play basis, on a game-to-game basis. And obviously, as Packer fans and NFL fans, they've watched Aaron Rodgers, they know he's great. And if you want to say his tar- his legacy is tarnished, whatever. However. I do think that two Super Bowls is going to change the dynamic. I think everybody's going to look at one Super Bowl for Aaron Rodgers and say that that, that is going to tarnish what he's done. Especially, like you said, when you, when you we've made so many excuses. And by we, I don't really mean me. But there's always been excuses as to why it hasn't gotten done. And all those excuses were kind of wiped out. Now, when I say all, I'm talking about the categories. Well, well he's never played at home. Well, he's never had a good defense. And it's true, all that stuff was basically gone. However, it wasn't on that day. right? If you look at it from a year st- perspective, well, for the year or for the second half of the year, the defense was actually very good. But were they on that day? Eh, not as good. How was Devontae on that day? How was the offensive line on that day? On that day, Aaron Rodgers didn't have anything. So how does that hurt his legacy? Again, that's, that's why all this stuff is kind of silly. But at the same time, I do think he needs a, a second one just because it's it's going to be the shut-up Super Bowl. He, he, he automatically gets into a different category when you get multiple Super Bowls. Obviously, if he's able to squeeze three out or you know, two more, then, then he's definitely in elite company. I just think it, it's, he needs it because it matches his play. You know what I mean? He, he is a 2-3 Super Bowl caliber quarterback. And although those are, again, those are two separate categories and it doesn't exactly make sense, I think it's going to be sort of a, a stain on his legacy, you know, for for the future when people look back and say, Aaron Rodgers is the greatest I've ever seen. Like, you mean that guy that won one Super Bowl? Like, why is he so great? So, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, am I going to think less of him? No. Is everybody else going to think less of him? Probably. Because again, although it's, it's you know, you, you got to take everything by itself. Everybody wants to just zoom out and look at these broad categories. How good you are is dependent on how many uh, Super Bowls you have. Okay, genius. And how good of a defensive back you were depends how many pick sixes you got. That's stupid. Oh, wow, you had four in your career. (laughs) Loser. This guy had like 15. You're not good at football. It's kind of the same thing. Anyways, there is one more question. I'm going to wait, Josh, until tomorrow because I am out of time and I want to uh, take a little bit more time to look into that. I don't want to start today because that's just going to take a while and then I'm going to be very late. So we're going to call it right there. Hope you all have a wonderful, fantastic Wednesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.